0: Welcome to the Hoffmantown Church Podcast. We hope you enjoyed this week's message from Hoffmantown Church. We're going to start um, seven pillars of ministry this morning. And I, I know you did this before. Those of you who have been with us when my father-in-law was pastor. And, uh, you know, there's several reasons for this. And I, I just think um, in so many ways God is uh, doing a new work, doing a new thing, if I could put it that way. And, I, and I'm grateful for that. Uh, we walk through some of the stewardship and the giving issues. And really, that's a hard issue, isn't it? We can talk about finances. We can try to put all kinds of percentages to our giving. And we can kind of make it into a guilt-type situation. And that's not it at all. All things belong to the Lord. All things are His. We're just stewards of it. And the question is, what are we attached to? Are we attached to Christ? Or are we attached to the things of this world? Uh, are we investing into eternity? That's really, in so many ways, the issue. And I I appreciate so much uh, so many who give so generously, and I'm thankful for you in that. I can't wait to see what God does in the coming days in terms of just uh, all the mission opportunities that the Lord's opening the doors for, and uh, just even our discipleship uh, programs at church, and how we're investing into people and seeing God change lives. I think the baptism testimony this morning is a great illustration of that, and I'm thankful for that. Folks, people need the Lord. People need the Lord. And the question is as we begin to follow Him, how are we walking with Him where we know that God is leading us? How do we know that it's not out of guilt? How do we know that it's not out of duty? How do we know that it actually is the Lord that is guiding and directing, and it's the Lord that is raising up ministry? It's the Lord that has given us the gift. It's the Lord that ultimately then raises up the opportunity for us uh, to follow him in the midst of using or utilizing that gift. The Father's the one, obviously, who then takes care of the results. How How do we know that? there's several different things that are happening right now that I think as elders, we've prayed through this and continuing to pray through this. The property is on its way to being sold. And so part of the financial piece was, let's be reminded that this is God's property. It's his money, it's not ours. It's his decision as to how he wants to use it. We might have great ideas and we may have great motives for it. But I think the reality is it's his. And so how, as stewards, are we making sure that we're listening carefully to the Lord and walking with him in what he chooses to do? How do we discern that? I I think we need a strategic plan, and I say that. I'm so thankful for Tim, and I'm thankful for the elders. I'm thankful for our pastors and directors and our staff thankful for you as lay leaders, if you're helping uh, serve within this body as in a leadership role, thankful for you. Can't wait to hear what God has to say. But you know, the truth is, is we can put a strat plan together and totally miss the mark. Totally miss the mark. We can have the right motives. We can have the right agendas. We can even, you know, put biblical kind of umbrella moments to it. Well, we're doing it because this is what the Word of God says. But yet in the midst of that, we can totally miss the Lord. That's kind of scary, isn't it? I don't know about you, but when I get to heaven one day and I want to see the Lord face to face, I I really do covet that moment of well done, good and faithful servant. And I also uh, just am completely dependent upon the Lord when the work is tested by fire. Because I, I want something to be there, something to remain. And so if we're not following the Lord and if we're not careful to recognize where God is leading and how to join him and what he is already doing, then I think we're, we're in a little bit of a trouble situation, aren't we? So all those things are going through our minds and, and just praying through that, asking the Lord for wisdom. Wisdom. There's going to be all kinds of things that we're going to do in terms of coming to you as the body to have you be engaged in this because we really do believe the Holy Spirit works within the body. Elders are not the only ones that hear from God, but we are called to make sure that God is heard, to make sure things are biblical, to make sure that the direction is where we sense God leading. But all of us that we believe in the priesthood of believers, all of us have an opportunity to follow God in the midst of this. You, you may have gone through the seven pillars years ago. Some of you have joined recently and over the last year or two years, whatever. And in, in our Next Step class, we have seven pillars uh, that we have listed down. Seven pillars of ministry. Kind of the idea of a foundation. How do we view ministry? How do we view following God? And I think they're very important. They're really essential. I've had people tell me these aren't biblical. and I, I wonder if they've read the material. I wonder if they've you know, open their Bible recently. I don't know. And I I think I, I read through this stuff and I think, you know, it's amazing how God leads and guides and directs. And we have the privilege of walking with Him and discerning from Him what it is that He has for us. When we talk about ministry, ministry literally is service. That's what it is. And so the idea is how are we serving the Lord and how do we know that He's calling us to serve Him? Romans eleven thirty six 36, one of my favorite verses. He says, For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be the glory forever. Amen. Now that kind of frames it all out. From him simply means out of him. Through him means if it's out of him, he sustains it. And to him, what is out of him, what he sustains, is going to be back to him. It's for his glory. That's ministry. Ministry is not for us, so to speak. It's, it's not to make us look good. Ministry is when we start to yield to self, to die to self, and say yes to the Lord, and we begin to walk in his ways, in his timing. We begin to experience him, and in the midst of that, we have the great privilege of growing in Christ, whatever it may be, whether it's right here In church, as we serve the Lord, or whether it's in Jerusalem or whether it's all the way to uttermost, we have the opportunity of growing in Christ and being deepened in our walk with the Lord. And the Lord begins to reveal himself in and through us. The fruit of the Spirit is love. The testimony that comes out of that, of God's faithfulness and his goodness, all of those things, we have the great privilege of experiencing God in the midst of. Let me just give you a snapshot of these seven pillars. The first we're going to look at this morning, it's true ministry is initiated by God. It's initiated by God. Secondly, what God initiates, God anoints. We're going to look at these each, a different one each week. Thirdly, ministry is received, not achieved. I still remember the first time I ever heard that. Hit me like a ton of bricks. Because so much of ministry, it seems, these days is what we can do for God rather than yielding to him and receiving from him what he has for us. Fourth, true ministry is not the result of our efforts, but of our surrender. It's not just a commitment. God, I'm going to do this for you. When we start to do that, there's nothing wrong with commitment as long as it's something God has led in. But when we do it out of guilt or we do it, because we have failed and somehow we're going to make it up, <laughs> that becomes a different thing. It's out of surrender. Fifth, God gets the glory for his ministry. True ministry is something that the Lord should get the, ministry, or the glory for. Sixth, the church is an organism, not an organization. I say that sometimes and people look at you like, what? Well, what I would say is we're an organized organism, or we certainly should be but we are alive. We are not just an org chart on the wall. We we are a living entity because Christ indwells us. And as a result, he is at work in the midst, and he alone is able to orchestrate us as his body in a way that we can't plan, we can't program it. Only the Holy Spirit himself is able to accomplish that. And lastly, the role of church leadership is not to do all the work of service, but rather to equip the body. Uh, and we do that through the Word, through the teaching of the Word of God. So let's, this morning, let's look at uh, true ministry as initiated by God. And like I said, ministry, when we say ministry, we get the word deacon, actually, that's the translation of it. Uh, it literally means to serve. And it doesn't just mean uh, deacon in the sense of the role or the position of a deacon. Mike Murphy is the chairman of our deacons. We're not just talking about deacons as as an individual or a ministry set, so to speak. We're talking about what deacons do. They serve. And it's not just limited to deacons. It's all of us. It literally means to serve. And, And so it can mean as the apostles stated, the ministry of the word, the deaconing of the word, the service of the word. It's not just an action in the sense of going and helping move some chairs. That is part of service. It could be changing a diaper uh, in the nursery, and that is a tremendous act of service. (laughs) Amen? (laughs) But it's also the ministry of the word. It's the deaconing of the word. Meaning the getting into the Word of God and sharing the Word of God. There are different callings and there are different services, but there's a foundational attitude in it, and it is service, and it's not just service for ourselves or for others, even, it is service unto the Lord. So we talk about serving, we talk about serving ultimately the Lord first. So there's true and false ministry, because ministry, if it's really something that is initiated by God, has to come from Him. It's not just what we come up with in order to do something for Him. And unfortunately, I feel like uh, in many ways, and over the 20-odd years I've been in ministry, I've, I've seen this over and over and over again, and I've, I've fallen into this trap myself where we respond or react to something and we try to fix it and we suddenly find ourselves making the problem even worse because instead of waiting on the Lord and hearing from him and following him and dying to self, we're actually beginning to churn, kind of like the duck on the water. It looks real calm and still until you get underneath and you see those feet going. And all of a sudden you realize that people are trying to keep up to some expectation that's been imposed on them. Maybe they've imposed it on themselves. And in the midst of it, they're feverishly trying to get something done for God for all kinds of different reasons instead of just resting and recognizing that God is sovereign and that he's in control. There can be false ministry and we know that because our work is going to be tested one day and if it's not out of faith, it could have been a lot of good things that appeared to be from God but weren't from yielded, surrendered hearts. The same activity can be participated in but one person may be yielded to the Lord and the other person is not. We have that Illustrated for us in Matthew chapter 7, verses 21 and following. He says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven will enter. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name, and in your name cast out demons, and in your name perform many miracles? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you, depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. Now think about this. These people were doing what from all appearances looked like were good things, but the Lord knew the heart of the matter, and He knew that they didn't know Him, weren't walking with Him, weren't yielded to Him, weren't surrendered to Him. There is false ministry and folks, that ought to cause us all to, to take a step back and, and really evaluate our lives in a way of what, what is going on in our lives. Are we doing the things that God's called us to? Why are we doing what we're doing? Are we doing it because we're yielding to the Lord and He's called us to it? And if so, if it's out of Him, then He'll sustain us in the midst of it and He'll also receive the glory for it. That's Romans eleven thirty six. But in the midst of it, we, we've got to be real careful to make sure that we're walking with Christ. Let me give you four things, and it's kind of a snapshot moment. But his pattern, when we talk about ministry, his pattern is unmistakable. Secondly, his perspective is eternal. Third, his plans are indecipherable. And fourth, his purposes are unstoppable. (laughs) Man, I love this. Look, when when God does something, who's going to stand in his way? Can anybody stand in his way? Can anybody tell God what to do? Can can anybody tell God a better plan or a better idea? Now, we laugh about that. But friends, we do this all the time. We do this all the time. First, his pattern is unmistakable. We talk about true ministry being initiated by God. What do we mean by initiated? What we mean is the idea that we take the first action step. We see a problem and we take the step. We see something that needs to be fixed, and we take the step. We see something that isn't right, and we take the step. We take the initiation. Now, I'm not trying to cut out uh, somebody at work who is taking the initiative to do something right. Please hear what I'm saying. What I'm saying is we're dealing with a spiritual issue. We're dealing with spiritual things that we have very limited understanding of, that God, because he's eternal, knows all things. And rather than us taking the first step, the first step that we ought to do is get in touch with God and then begin to walk with him and follow him in what he desires to do. His pattern is unmistakable in this. Let me give you some examples. And there's many, 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 many examples of this. Abraham in Genesis chapter 12, verse 1 or 7 or chapter 15, verse 1, the Abrahamic covenant. Was this God's idea or Abraham's idea? Did Abraham wake up one day and say, wow, God, great idea today. I want descendants as numerous as the stars. Is that what he did? No. (laughs) Or Abraham looked around and said, wow, this world is really going to pot. You know, terrible situation here. So, Lord, I got an idea. I want you to send the seed that is going to be the Messiah, to be the Savior of the world through me. That's what I want you to do. No, 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 that's silly, isn't it? This is God's idea. It's not Abraham's idea. What about Moses? (laughs) Moses is so classic, isn't it? He's walking around 40 years, taking care of those sheep, wilderness, sees the burning bush, goes over, and the Lord says, take your sandals off, you're on holy ground. And the Lord tells Moses what the plan of action is, right? Moses didn't say, God, I got a great idea. I was a prince in Egypt. I forsook it all. I didn't want anything to do with it. I took things into my own hand, I killed one of these guys, but you know that was wrong, and now I've had 40 years to really reflect on it, and I've got a great plan. Man, it's good, Jethro agrees. He goes to God and he says, I'm gonna go back, and you take this staff of mine and turn it into a snake, and I'll show Pharaoh, and I'm gonna bring all these kinds of plagues onto Pharaoh to demolish their economic and and their religious systems. It, was that Moses' idea? I don't think so. The Lord says, I'm going to send you back. And what was Moses' response? What? I can't even talk. So the Lord said, well, I'll send Aaron with you. Moses actually resisted it, which is interesting. Because most of the time when it's God's idea, we resist it in our flesh. We really do, don't we? We get scared to death it. we come up with all kinds of reasons why that's really not the best idea. Because we got our eyes on us and our abilities instead of on him and his abilities. What about David? Right? I love uh, the picture of Samuel being sent to Jesse's house. And all the, all the boys appear before Samuel, all the boys show up. <laughs> and Samuel sees, oh, this must be the one. Look how awesome he looks. He's just a tall guy, he's good looking. Man, he'd make a great king. What does the Lord say to him? Man looks at the outward appearance. God looks at the heart. He says, oh, uh, Jesse, you got one more? Oh, yeah, he's out taking care of his sheep. Well, bring him in. Bring him in. And it's David. And the Lord says, this is the one. That's not Samuel's idea truth is it wasn't david's idea it's god's idea god's plan he takes the initiative paul is another great example the conversion of paul and his calling to be an apostle (laughs) paul was actually murdering christians he had a zeal for the lord but he had no knowledge that's what he says about himself he thought he was doing god a favor might be the very definition of achieved ministry it might be the very definition of taking the initiative without checking with God first and the Lord arrests him the Lord stops him in his tracks blinds him Paul realizes immediately that he's come into the very presence of God and he calls him Lord and Paul becomes an apostle and the greatest preacher of grace the world has ever known other than Christ himself God takes the initiative folks we can see this over and over and over and over and over again his perspective is eternal secondly Proverbs 3 5 and 6 I know you know this well but I I wonder sometimes we've got to live this I love my grandfather I have his uh, wedding ring and I have it up upstairs in my office And on the inside of uh, his wedding ring, he's got Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. He was a preacher of the gospel. And there's times where I I just look at that ring and I think about my granddad. I say, thank you, God, for giving me a testimony of a man who loves you and who is willing to preach the word in some dire situations. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding and all your ways acknowledge him, and he will make your paths straight. Or Romans chapter 11 verses 33 and 35 He says, oh the depth of the riches both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and unfathomable his ways. For who has known the mind of the Lord or who became his counselor or who has first given to him that it might be paid back to him again. So the Lord's perspective is eternal and it follows then that his plans are indecipherable. Who who can know the mind of the Lord? Who can actually figure it all out? God's infinite. Half of infinity is infinity. One millionth of infinity is still infinity. Incredible. Who, Who knows the mind of the Lord? Who can search the unsearchable, the unfathomable? Who has a plan that's better than actually what God has in mind? Isaiah 55.8 five eight says, "For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways," declares the Lord. I like this statement. Kim Chrisman wrote this. He said, "The way to find God's ways or ideas is not to explore within our own capabilities." <laughs> That's great, great statement, great statement. We don't look to ourselves. Look, like, oh, let's get all the talent together in the room and let's figure this out. I don't care how, man. We got to get in touch with God we got to get in touch with the Lord and walk with him and say, Lord, what would you have us to be a part of? And, you know, the truth is, is God will reveal it when he so chooses because he knows when we're ready to receive what he has as well. Romans 16, 27 says, To the only wise God. I love that statement. The only wise God. There is no other god who is wise. He's the only wise god. The Lord's ways are greater than ours. He sees all, knows all. He's not bound in any way including by time, and therefore we must make sure we're following him. He knows best where to go, when to go there, how to get there, why he wants us there, what he wants us to do. He knows best. Because true ministry is initiated, true service, when we're serving the Lord, it's initiated by God. It comes as a result of our yielding to him and surrendering to him first and foremost. Because nobody can know his mind. Nobody has plans better than he does. He knows exactly what to do, when to do it, how to do it. He knows exactly how he wants to utilize us in the midst of it. And in the midst of it all, we get to experience him. I love Proverbs 19, 21. He says, many plans are in a man's heart, but the counsel of the Lord will stand. Does anybody relate to that? Many plans are in a man's heart, but the counsel of the Lord will stand. I, I mean, sometimes I'll wake up at 3 o'clock in the morning, whatever, think about Hoffman Town, think about all the plans, all the stuff. Oh, Lord, if we do this, we do this. We go here, we could do this. This door's opening. This is happening. This is going on. <laughs> and I got to take a step back and go, ah. Oh. Lord, what are your plans? What are your plans? Because they alone stand. Well, when the Lord initiates something and when he begins to put a plan into effect, when he begins to work and when he begins to open doors, his purposes are unstoppable. And we can see that in Matthew 16, 18. He says, Upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades shall not overpower it. Who builds the church? God builds the church. We get to participate with him in it. Ephesians, he says, the body begins to build itself up together in what? In love. In love. God builds the church, and that's essential. What God does is absolutely unstoppable. Psalm 127, one says, unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain who build it. Or Revelation 3, eight says, I know your deeds. Behold, I've put before you an open door, which no one can shut because you have a little power and have kept my word and have not denied my name. And I, that section there is so, uh, it's just a beautiful picture. I have put before you an open door, which no one can shut. See, when God begins to lead, when God begins to open things, when God begins to make his will known, we get to participate with him in it. We get to experience him in it. We get to experience his power, not only individually, not only personally, but also corporately because God, when he begins to move, makes things very clear and and we begin to get to walk with him in the midst of it and we get to experience his power. And when God begins to move, friend, there's nothing that's going to stop him. He chooses when to go and he chooses when to stop. Nobody does that to him. True ministry is initiated by God. True ministry. There's a lot of service. There's a lot of ministry sometimes that takes place and it's not been initiated by God. And we've got to be real careful to point the finger and we've got to be real, all that, amen. But we've got to make sure that we're listening to the Lord and we're following him and what he wants to do. I think the Lord is a great example of this. The Lord himself, when he came to this earth, and there's all kinds of verses on this. John chapter five, verse 17, verses 19 through 20. The Lord says, my father is working until now, and I am working. My father is working until now. He's referring to the father as, as already having been at work, and then the Lord is also working. But the Lord clarifies this because he makes it very plain, very clear to understand that the son can do nothing of himself unless it is something he sees the father doing. And we know that the father loves the son and the Lord says that the father shows him all things that he is doing. So in other words, the father's at working and the son can't do anything out of himself. The son is observing the father and the father is making himself known to the son and making known to the son what to do. And the son then is is following the father in what it is that the father is leading in. That's Jesus giving us the example of what it means to follow God. Praise the Lord for that. What do we do? We observe where's God at work. What is God doing around us? How is he showing or revealing us revealing something to us and in that inviting us to join him in what he alone is able to do. Why did I even notice that that was an issue in the first place? Is that because I'm just so smart? No, it's because the Lord revealed it. And when the Lord reveals something, that is his way of inviting us to join him, not to do it for him, but rather to experience what he can do. Do you catch the difference? Ministry is initiated by God, and the Lord gives us a beautiful example of that. Our response to the Lord's leadership, I think, is is essential. Our heartbeat, our our heart condition. Romans 12, 1 and 2, Therefore I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to do what? Present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. It's the most reasonable thing to do. Why? Because of chapters 1 through 11. Everything that God has done for us, what's the most reasonable thing that we can do? Present your body. It's in the aorist tense, which simply means every opportunity that comes up that we have the privilege of presenting ourselves to the Lord, we ought to do it. Whether <laughs> it's driving up academy behind somebody two miles an hour. I got caught in that traffic jam last night, and there was a lady, there, was, there were uh, first responders coming up behind us, and they couldn't get through the traffic very well, All right? So I'm in the middle lane. On Paseo, I'm looking backwards, and about, you know, 20 cars back, here they come. And so I got over to the left lane. I cut somebody off brutally. I'm sorry, I did. Cut them off. I thought they're going in the middle lane. All of a sudden I look back, they got into the left lane. So I thought, great, now I gotta get over into the middle lane, or at least over to the right lane. So I started trying to work my way over there. They're getting closer and closer and closer. Now there are two cars behind me, and the dear brother or sister. Of the human race in front of me <laughs> had about 20 feet, and Jonathan knows he was with me. He's like, Dad, don't hit her, don't hit her. <laughs> Not physically, with the car, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> I didn't get out for this moment. They, they just couldn't see, I was just slam on the. Ah! <laughs> the Northeasterner came out of me, you know? Even in the midst of that moment, (laughs) we have the privilege of experiencing God, don't we? We have the privilege of saying, oh, Lord, nothing catches you by surprise. Praise God, because it does me all the time. And that's the truth. We have the opportunity to experience him. The most reasonable service of worship is to present our bodies as living sacrifices. Right in the middle of every and any circumstance to say, Lord, I'm yours. Be in me what I'm not. May your love be revealed in and through me. See, it's a will issue first. Do I walk by faith? Am I persuaded that what God has done is necessary? And as a believer, do I believe that what God has done is so overwhelming that the most reasonable thing I can do is say, Lord, here's my life. You take it. And then it's a heart It's a life issue. It's the second, it's the whole issue of activity. If I believe who he really is as he's revealed himself to be, then am I willing to say, here's my life, Lord. Use it in whatever way you choose. Let me give you a couple thoughts. Warning flags. Warning flags. Our own thinking. (laughs) It may be with good motive, but when we start to depend upon our own thinking, we're in a bad place. Blackaby says, we can be tempted to devise formulas to determine God's leading instead of waiting for God to reveal his desires. I can't even tell you. One of these days, I'm going to show you my email list. You cannot believe the amount of email that I get from ministries across this country telling us, in effect, if you just follow their process and if you just follow those steps that they have to offer that you can pay X amount of dollars for, that you will automatically have a successful capital campaign or you will automatically have a successful church. Over and over, it's, it's indescribable. And it flies in the face of God initiating ministry. I'm not saying all the principles are wrong. I'm just simply saying where is the response to God first? Instead of devising some kind of a formula to determine God's leading. Secondly, our own righteousness. When we say we should do this, we should do that, we need to head this way, we need to begin this, we need to stop that, we better take a step back and start to examine how we came to those thoughts. Why are we thinking that way? And are we responding to the Lord or the circumstance? That's essential. Anytime, and I've, I'll tell you, this is something I've experienced over and over in my own person. I've seen it in other pastors, elders, and all kinds of different churches, different settings, different size churches, it doesn't matter because all of us have flesh, (laughs) unfortunately, and we still in our flesh battle against the spirit. The spirit battles against the flesh. But anytime pressure is brought to bear because of a lack of results or a desire for those results or unmet expectations, you can be sure that whatever plan is devised to fix the issue is not from the Lord, but out of the flesh. You can bank on it. I love Wayne and I love my father-in-law so much. I'll never forget years ago him telling me, Eric, he said when we sit around our staff, he said when anybody says we gotta do something about this, he said that's an immediate flag to stop and pray because we've gotta ask the Lord what is it that he wants us to do? Praise God. I thank the Lord for that because I have found myself doing that many, many times more than what I would ever wish to admit. We need the Lord in these things. Psalm 119, 105, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. What do we do? In the midst of life, how do we know that we're walking with the Lord or following the Lord when, when something does need to be fixed or something is wrong or, or something isn't what we would think that it ought to be or we're concerned about certain things? How do we walk in that? How do you do that personally? You have these warning flags of depending on ourselves and depending on our own ability, etc. But what are the things that we can actually participate with the Lord in in the meantime? First of all, take time with the Lord and His Word. Why? Because his word is a lamp to our feet, a light to our path. We seek him out. We seek what the word of God has to say, and the Lord uses his word to renew our minds. Secondly, I I think this is amazing to me. Seek the Lord. Don't simply seek an answer to the problem. I, I, I am amazed how many young people will come to me and say, I want to know the will of God for my life. Now, I know you have never asked that, so I'm not putting young people down. But what happens is, they're so intent on trying to figure out what God's will for their life is, that they stop seeking the Lord. Do you catch that? If you seek the Lord, guess what? The Lord will let you know His will when He's good and ready to do it. That's the truth. We can get so caught up in all this stuff. And the truth is, the Lord wants us to come to Him because He's in control of all this stuff. He's using it for His glory, He's using it to metamorphosize us. The problem is, is, we're trying to get out of the very arena that He's placed us in in order to help us to grow and to experience Him. Thirdly, we can pray. Paul tells the Thessalonian believers, pray without ceasing. That doesn't mean be up here on your knees. all. It means everywhere you go, there's an attitude and a recognition. I need the Lord. I need the Lord. Lord, I need you. I need you. We sang it. Every moment, forget the hour, every second, I need you. Pray. Fourthly, praise him. Praise him. Say what? Praise him for that circumstance. You bet. That's what the Bible says to do, friend. That's what he says. Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. Right, Lift all your supplications up to the Lord, and what does he, how does he say to do it? With thanksgiving. So in other words, whatever circumstance you're going through, it may be a tough one. I get it. Been there myself. Is it with thanksgiving? We praise him. We praise him at all times. Fifthly, we thank the Lord for the difficulty and we recognize that he is up to the challenge. All right? count it all joy, brethren. Oh, we don't like that at all, do we? I mean, just cut that one out. That certainly couldn't be from God. He would never have that for my life. Oh, no, no, that's the point. Count it all joy. Count it all joy sixthly keep doing what you know to do keep doing what you know to do god's given us a whole lot of things that we're supposed to be actively engaged with him about and in the meantime of waiting on him to reveal his will to us we don't just stop and not do we keep following him in what we already know that he wants us to participate with him in don't grow weary in doing good is what he tells the Galatian believers. And lastly, and it's not last, there's so many different ways that you can approach this, but share with other godly believers. Ask them to pray. Right? In the counsel of many, there's wisdom, Proverbs 15, 22. If you're having a difficulty, if you're not sure what to do, go to the Lord about it, spend time in word, thank God for it, praise him for it, keep doing what you know to do, and also get a, get a group of godly people praying for you and go to them and say, hey, what do I do with this? What do I do with this? See, God initiates ministry. Our service to him ought to be from him. And no matter what the circumstance may be, no matter what the situation may be, we have the great privilege of walking with him in the midst of it. Let me give you a quote from my father-in-law, because this was so pertinent to this. I read this, and man, it just hit me afresh. I can hear him saying it. You know, it's amazing. True ministry comes out of the one who understands the holiness of God. And therefore understands the sinfulness of his own flesh. When we open God's word with a heart to hear, God reveals to us the holiness of God and the sinfulness of man. When a man realizes that there is nothing about himself that deserves to be seen, he approaches ministry in a totally different way. Until a man has seen himself in light of who God is then there's no such thing as humility in his life. To an unbroken man, life is all about himself, and ministry is something that he can do for God. Sadly, most of what we see in Christianity today is pride. It is man in his element doing for God out of his own creativity. Oh. (laughs) If that doesn't hit home, I don't know what would. We need the Lord, don't we? My goodness, we see this culture. We see all the things taking place. We see lawlessness everywhere. It's amazing. And praise God, he's up to the task. He knows what he wants to do. He's sovereign over it. He's leading. He's guiding. He's directing. Are we individually, personally, as families, and as the family of God, are we saying, Lord, we want to hear from you. We want to know you. We want to walk with you. We want to walk by faith. We're persuaded that you're able We can't figure it all out, but that's okay. We know you, and we know you got it in hand, and so we trust you. God initiates true ministry. True ministry is initiated by God. Thanks for listening to the Hoffmantown Church Podcast.